Welcome in to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Today is Friday, February the 18th, and last weekend um, was a bittersweet weekend. Because, like, you love, you love the Super Bowl, you love the, you know, it's the championships, the culminating point of the NFL season. But now I'm like, what do I do this weekend? Like, it's, what, it's are, tough. what do I do with myself? There's no football on Sunday. Do, do, are there other activities that, like, people do on Sundays? I have no idea. It's one of those really sad things when you realize that it's why February is a hard month. It's a hard month. There's not that much in sports. There's a good amount, but nothing huge in sports. There's nothing – I mean, besides the Olympics, but that's every four years. So that that's doesn't really count. But yeah. normally – the last two it's weeks. Hard. It's February. hard. Yeah. Because the first couple weeks you're, of March. Yeah. Well, no, March first, first week of March is when you get conference tournaments and basketball. So I count yeah, that. Yeah, the last yeah. two weeks, Last two weeks of February is pretty slow. Yeah, the last two weeks of February are very slow. Um, I, I would, want to mention they need uh, to move. They need to move the NBA trade deadline back so that it yes takes a front seat over the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is just going to drown out whatever news happens in that week. Um, just wanted to point out something that just came out today. Uh, this isn't in the script, but I just want to point this out before we dive into the Super Bowl. Uh, but I did just uh, get the news. I don't know if you saw this yet. Um, from ESPN that said the college football playoff will remain at four teams through at least uh, the 2025 season. Um, It was supposed to possibly get ground on changing before then, but uh, because the college football playoff team really hates fun, they decided to not do that. So um, once again, deciding with the money instead of what the fans want, which makes no sense because if they expanded, they would have more fans watch the games and they would have more money for their brand. So I don't understand why they wouldn't want to expand right now because, again, that gets them more money. But, um, but yeah, this is just a, another example of the old dude sitting in the chair yeah. uh, making I've, decisions I've, for people that aren't him watching these games. <laughs> and I, I've, I've heard a fair amount of discourse and reporting on this topic, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you have. Basically, I think what it comes down to is the guaranteed – auto bids for the power five conferences um and how you flesh out the group of six want wanting an auto bid or the group of five wanting an auto bid um and it's it basically come boils down to auto bids and they haven't been able to reach an agreement on that uh because the sec is going well if everyone else gets an auto bid but we only give one get one auto bid but we're the best conference in football you know yada 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 but they're already gonna get a second with that large anyway so them getting absurd them getting two would be terrible i would that would be awful football keep in mind these athletic directors that are arguing for this are the same people that are voting on the college football playoff so they're all idiots is what i'm trying to say like these people you're correct these people have no like realistic sense they're they're all just glorified like salesmen school administrator people who it's pretty pathetic it's pretty sad actually sense of like what the world is thinking or what people actually want they only want what's best for the university of alabama Um, i I miss the days where college football could be enjoyed well idiot 
But we, but as we've seen with a lot of these buyouts, some of these ads are idiots. <laughs> like Which, again, should surprise no one. No one should be surprised get, by this. That's how you get into the Auburn Tigers situation, where we're wondering if Brian Harson's even going to be the coach next year, and they're just trying to find any smoking gun they can to fire him without paying the buyout. It's such a joke. With one second, season, despite all the seasons of mediocrity from Malzahn, those are fine. And one season of mediocrity from him again in the S. I mean. In such a difficult place to win in. It's just, it's ridiculous. So, well, the no, problem it's... is that they see themselves as the second, they want to be the second best team year after year, and some years the first best team in the SEC West. And now they're seeing themselves fall behind AM. They're seeing themselves fall way behind Alabama in terms of recruiting, and those recruits are leaving uh, for other schools yeah. because of the transfer yeah. portal. So, they've got to get a hold on that program fast, or it's going to keep going downhill. But, Let's talk some other types of football. Um, the Super Bowl, which I'm going to brag on myself. I predicted the final score. I've never exactly. done that before. Exactly. And anyway, I mean, you have the receipt. You tweeted it out, um, which I know you see the, the bottom text of the Twitters uh, for, for at GTD Sports. But uh, oh, I, well, I guess it actually doesn't say it that there, but it's at GTD Sports. Um, and same thing with that blanket cove pod is, is our specific Twitter handle, but, uh, we posted that on there. So check that out. Um, as well as other highlights, but, uh, we both actually did end up agreeing on Rams money line and Bengals plus four plus four and a half for the exact line was we agreed. And a few of our bets ended up hitting. I know I placed a good amount. I had, um, a few of ours, <coughs> which is at, uh, over, uh, yards for T Higgins receiving, uh, the, Tyler Boyd over in yards I pushed, which ended up uh, hitting. And I also – I was really big on Cam Akers under, which ended up hitting as well. I was really confident about that Cam Akers under, and uh, that hit as well. So some of those worked out great. Um, Cooper Cup touchdown was pretty automatic free money. And surprisingly, the Joe Burrow uh, over 11.5 rushing yards did not hit. He only had three rushing yards. So turns out that was a little bit low for a reason, a bet we both were high on, and we both unfortunately missed. Um, hate to see that. And then my, my little bit of a stretch pick with Tyler Boyd touchdown, uh, did not hit, which was unfortunate. So I, I didn't quite get that one, but, um, highlights of this game Rams, of course, winning their first sec- uh, Super Bowl ever. Their first was in 1999 against Atlanta. Sorry, no for that. Uh, St. Louis Rams winning in that game against, of course, Tennessee Titans. Uh, this was Stafford's first ring in his first attempt, which is pretty good for him. And Aaron Donald and Cooper cup were easily your two best players on the field. Uh, not Nothing against Stafford, but he did throw two picks, which we kind of thought he was going to do. Uh, I, I was saying that it's nearly a lock. He's going to throw at least one pick in this game. Um, and so the question is that obviously not getting the Super Bowl MVP, and it was Cooper, were very, very well deserved. Is Stafford Hall of Fame worthy? He has no all pros, no MVPs, no offensive player of the year, and only one Pro Bowl but he does have the benefit of getting a ring in his first season with an actual team. That's not the Detroit lions. And he also has pretty solid stats to back him up. So we know what Richard German thinks if you've been on Twitter anytime recently, but what do you think? So I see what Richard German's saying here. Um, however, all of those things that Richard Sherman is saying, you know, are good criteria for a Hall of Fame quarterback are exceptionally hard to achieve in Detroit um, for anyone. I think Aaron Rodgers uh, would be a borderline Hall of Famer um, 
in Detroit, even with the insane numbers that he's put up. Now, I'm not saying that Stafford is exactly Rodgers, um, but Stafford has put up significant numbers for years on a bad team. Um, and especially if he can keep up this consistency late in his career, uh, I think he's on that path. But if he never returns to this level, uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting case. Um, you know, for guys like Trent Dilfer is not in the Hall of Fame. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. I mean, we're not saying that every Super Bowl quarterback should be in the Hall of Fame because it's about more than the quarterback. But if you're a guy who has put up a lot of numbers like Stafford has and at the end of your career, he's going to be um, probably top 10 in a lot of different categories just by nature of the stats he's put up in the time that he's played. Um, I think it's a very, very close case. I would lean no as of right now, actually agreeing with Richard Sherman, but I think a couple more years of consistency, a couple more years, maybe one or two more playoff wins, um, if not another Super Bowl. I mean, the way this team is coming back next year, uh, I think he certainly has a case, um, and he certainly has a better case to build on now, uh, which I think we both assume that he will. And a note on Stafford, too, when we're talking about records, because um, I know the accolades aren't as high, but the records are, are honestly, I think, more impressive than the accolades. He is the fastest player to reach 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, and 45,000 yards, and he's actually only five yards shy. Um, yeah, literally only five yards shy of getting 50,000, which, of course, he'll get in probably the first pass of next season. Um, he also has the most passing attempts ever in a season with 727 in 2012, which is absurd. And he also is the first player to ever complete 60% or more of passes in every single game in one season, which was 2015, where he actually didn't even get a Pro Bowl. That was the year before. So I do think that is pretty impressive, obviously. He's also the fourth quarterback ever to pass over 5,000 yards in a single season. And he um, led the Lions for their first playoff attempt in over a decade uh, when he came in and uh, went there. I'm not sure. What was what was the year the Lions made the playoffs again? Wasn't it early 2010s when they finally made the playoffs again? Yeah. Something. Is that right? Or was that, was that yeah. 2014? Um, something in there. But um, – oh, it was. It was 2015 against the Cowboys. Early January 2015 when he went to the Pro Bowl. Um, yeah, that was that. That was that season. I remember that game when, yeah, when they lost to the um, – uh, when they lost. But – it is pretty impressive to see what he's done. I understand Sherman's argument. I'm kind of on the fence right now. I think it depends a lot what happens next season. I'm pretty sure that he will become the fastest quarterback to get um, 50,000 yards when he ends up throwing for that next season. But um, it, it's pretty pretty significant. So I really, I, I really am impressed with what he's able to do, despite having basically no help with anything. So I think so. Yeah, I, 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 I think Stafford is going to be all right here. I, I think we're going to end up talking about him as a legit, legit guy. Um, but here's an interesting proposition, and this is one that you wrote down, so I'll propose this to you uh, before we move on. But between the three of them, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Big Ben, who's in the Hall of Fame and who's out? And there's not, you know, you don't have to, this isn't like KFM. You don't have to like pick one. Uh, they can all be in, but I want to hear your take on this. 
Well, I know that obviously I'm biased for Matt Ryan. So getting that out of the way to start before we say anything, um, I am very definitely biased for what Matt Ryan has done as a Falcons fan. I believe it's really without any question at all. Um, In fact, I think it's insulting really not to say that he's the greatest Falcons quarterback of all time. I don't think that's any knock on Michael Vick. I just think by pretty much any measure at all besides rushing, he is far and away better. Um, different between iconic and fan friendly and symbolic of an era, which I think Vic was extremely, but, and it's just to that, I don't think very close, but for Matt Ryan, I think that he's going to get in because of what he has done for the Falcons and to be just, I mean, you should look up his franchise records for Atlanta. And I understand that Atlanta is not a very good franchise. I get that. But to be that level of legendary within a franchise and to just be that ridiculous within it is just sort of insane. He also has the most regular seasons by any quarterback in their first five seasons. He has the most consecutive NFL games, at least 200 passing yards, 64 games. And he has the most passing yards in his first 10, 11, 12, and 13 years in NFL history. So I think with a lot of stuff there, including his MVP and passer rating leader and four Pro Bowls, and AP Offensive Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year. There's a lot of stuff you can take from here um, in what he's been able to do. So I think with the sheer amount of all of that that he has, as well as being very good off the field, which I know isn't as big here, but um, I know has been an <laughs> issue with some other quarterbacks on this list with off the field stuff, um, that at least that helps. But I think for what he's done for Atlanta, even despite much help, that I think that really is – um, I think he can be a guy to get in. And I think there have been worse people that have gotten in than him too. So I, I think he would be deserving of that spot. Uh, Stafford, I think, is almost there because I, while I think that I know the, the Lions are a worse franchise than the Falcons, but, um, but, it, but Matt Ryan was still able to achieve more individually than Matt Stafford has done. And I am aware, again, with the Super Bowl going to Matthew Stafford and both these quarterbacks have only made one Super Bowl. One obviously lost and one won. But I do think that kind of ironically, Matt Ryan had a much better performance in his losing Super Bowl than Matthew Stafford did in his winning one. And I think if you look up the stats of that, it's pretty clear. I mean, <laughs> it's um, across the board, one play better. Now, of course, Matthew Stafford had a much cleaner team effort. He played a worse team and his overall team played much, much better than what the Falcons did throughout that Super Bowl, of course. So I do think that's a little bit skewed. And if Matt Ryan and the Falcons have won that Super Bowl, it was a very obvious lock that Matt Ryan was going to win MVP and honestly was probably the best player on the field in terms of pure statistical performance throughout that game anyway. With Big Ben, obviously he's only your two-time Super Bowl champion on this list at all. He also has a rookie of the year and six-time Pro Bowler. And I do think that he might be in just for that. I think having all those stats together, he may have done it. I know he's been pretty weak down the stretch of his career. And of course he no longer um, is in the NFL with his recent retirement. So what he has is what he has, but I would be pretty shocked if big, big didn't make it. Frankly, I, I think winning a Super Bowl twice that early in your career, I get down the stretch wasn't a solid, but having a season with over 5,000 passing yards, another one that was 4,900 was pretty close again, two Super Bowl victories and three appearances. I mean, he, there's a lot of NFL records that Big Ben has, and I think that that should be taken into account. Yeah, Matt Ryan is in for me. Um, I, I I think he has a very, very compelling case. Uh, not unsimilar to um, 
Matt Stafford, of course, without the Super Bowl, which I don't, I don't mean to tease you about. It's just that's without if if Matt. No, but Ryan he played better than Bowl, Stafford in the Super Bowl. We're he looking did. at him versus Stafford uh, as those single Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I think Matt Ryan's best case uh, is that he's both top ten in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And if you look at those top 10 lists, so let's just go back to passing yards. You look at that top 10 list. We got Brady, Breeze, Manning, Favre, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Marino, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, who I think we all assume is going to make it, Aaron Rodgers, Elway, and then Stafford sitting at 12. Um, So there's a more than probably 50% chance that Matt Stafford ends his career in that group of quarterbacks and just looking at the other names on that list, I know their resumes probably say more. You got former MVPs, you got more all pros on there. Uh, but just in terms of raw numbers, um, I think Stafford does deserve to be in based off of uh, where he projects to end up. Now, if he retired tomorrow, I'm not sure if that's the case, uh, but he's still got a few good years left under the belt, certainly. Um, Another note on Matt Ryan, just to mention, Matt Ryan is currently eighth in passing yards all time, passing Eli Manning. If he has a 4,000-yard passing season, he will pass both Dan Marino and Phillip Rivers for sixth all time, only behind Ben Roethlisberger by about 1,000. Again, if he passes 4,000, he'd be about by about 1,000 for for, uh, Roethlisberger, who is about – who's a good chunk behind Brett Favre. The top four are pretty far and away. Um, Brady with 84,000, Breeze 80. Peyton Manning and Brett Favre were within about, they're actually really close at three and four together. Um, but Matt Ryan very feasibly could end up being fifth on that list. I don't know if he'll pass Brett Favre. That would, he's about 12,000 yards behind him, which maybe he could, but I would be really confident in him passing. He should pass Marino and Rivers, which if you're sixth all time, and even if he does pass Big Ben, if you're, if you're fifth all time passing yards, I mean, Stuff like that seems pretty tough to not have a guy in the Hall of Fame there. When you have guys way lower, I mean, even Fran Tarkenton, yeah. who also never won a Super Bowl, he's 14th on that list. So I think at least in some of those terms, you can have guys pretty up there. I mean, and, and passing and, touchdowns, and, Matt Ryan's not he's in the Hall I mean, of Fame. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Guys, you look at the guys behind Matt Stafford, they're in the Hall of Fame. I think you look at the guys behind Matt Stafford. I mean, Carson Palmer, Vinny Testaverde, and Drew Bledsoe are kind of where it falls off the map. Joe Flacco and Kerry Collins also in there, fun fact. Um, so it's not all about stats. You know, there are some good quarterbacks oh, yeah. on the list. But I think once you crack, like, the top 10, uh, you're pretty solidified in that category of you're one of those guys. Um because that's about consistency as much as it is um, being able to put up those stats in the first place. But I want to talk about one more note. One more note on statistics before we move on. Just a a nugget I found. Did you know that there's not a single active player in the top 20 in terms of touchdown leaders with the exception of Adrian Peterson, who's basically done. That's kind of nuts. All of them are retired. That, that is pretty wild. Yeah. A lot of young guns seeing if they can climb up there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of young guns, let's talk about the quarterback on the other side briefly. Let's talk about Joe Burrow. Um, he looked 
not flustered in this game, but it looked like he just couldn't get much going. They had to resort to a lot of quick passes. There was no downfield passing game. The only explosive play they had was the missed uh, face mask call on T Higgins. Um, There's no, no Joe Shiesty in this game. There was not Joe Shiesty in this game. And you can't come away. If you're a Bengals fan, if you're a fan of football, a fan of Joe Burrow, you can't come away with this game and think anything other than, holy crap, they got to get Joe some help back there. They have got to get him some help on the line because, and, and it looked like I, I heard someone else react to this, and, and this was a take that I had during the game. I saw Aaron Donald when he pushed Joe Burrow out of bounds, which was, was a completely legal play, right? Yeah, the reffing was interesting in, in <laughs> very interesting in this game. <laughs> and he the he just looked to push Joe Burrow out of bounds like it was a normal push, but then Joe Burrow went flying because Aaron Donald is a superhuman. Um then of course some of Joe Burrow's linemen and whatnot get in the face of Donald. Uh, and I was just thinking, man, that is the one guy on the field that I don't want to piss off. And it seemed like every single rep after that, Donald was beating double teams, beating single teams, getting to the quarterback. It seemed like that split second that Joe Burrow had to make those quick passes and get the ball out disappeared. Donald was in the backfield in his grill before he could even think about getting the ball out. And that's not even to mention Von Miller, who had two sacks in this game as well. Um, Joe Burrow was sacked seven times and that seven times is seven more, uh, than any quarterback has been sacked in the postseason. 19, as opposed to 12, um, really props to Joe Burrow for bringing this team with no offensive line to a championship. Um, but it was a very similar, uh, result to the one we saw last year where Patrick Mahomes ran for 500 lateral yards sideline to sideline and didn't end up winning the game. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't run exactly that much. He was more so getting the ball out quick as opposed to making time. Uh, But they've got to get him some help, I think is the bottom line. And the question I have is, do you think he's going to get back here after this year? Well, that's sort of the tricky part is the last 16 quarterbacks to lose their Super Bowl debut have not made it back ever. And that includes, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the last few are Jimmy G, of course, the Niners, Jared Goff, uh, formerly of the Rams, uh, Matt Ryan with the Falcons, Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50 with the Panthers, and then uh, Colin Kaepernick also with the Niners. Uh, after that, you get Grossman, Hasselbeck, McNair, you go back a while. Um, but you can go all the way back to Humphreys. In San Diego in 1994, that's how far back you can go. Um, and it's sort of tough to see. That's a long, long stretch of a very um, unfortunate but fair trend that sort of shows it's really hard to make it back. There's a lot of parity in this league, and it's really tough to do. And frankly, I like the, a team like the Bills a lot more to finally come back and make their Super Bowl chance. Like, there you have a much better odds. And, of course, you never know what's going to happen, but um, I would have thought they would have made it this season, and they almost did. Um, I would have loved to see an AFC championship uh, in another alternate reality of what would have happened if they played the Bengals. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that he definitely, he as an individual, 100% has the talent to make it back. But unfortunately, I think there are a lot of quarterbacks in football that have the talent to make it or make it back. And 
getting a, a position like that to really do well and get back there again is just so hard. And I do think the Bengals are here. I mean, this game, which we said this back in the preview, was 100% L.A.'s to lose. This was their chance. This was their moment. L.A. couldn't blow this game, and they didn't. The Bengals are a team with a lot more opportunity, a lot more chances, and a lot of young guys on this team that can help them get right back to this next season because we already know what their offseason plan is to do. It's just get the O-line. They need to get the O-line. That was a big problem. But not everyone on that line is terrible, but, oh, boy. like it, it, No quarterback had ever been sacked that many times in one uh, postseason run, ever. He was sacked seven times in the Super Bowl, which tied a all-time high. I mean, it's and sort of a joke tied, that he's not hurt. And he had tied the record before the Super Bowl even kicked off. Yeah. And, in fact, he actually is hurt. I say he's not hurt. He is hurt. He was playing through he an injury. Hurt. He's playing his MCL, and he did not he look insane. the same after that. I mean, watching yeah. him try to step into throws was tough to watch. Uh, just, he's I mean, not healthy. all-time tough dude, but um, – you look at other teams in the AFC. I think like you were talking about, we certainly don't think the Chiefs are going to get worse. Uh, and they've strategically... Oh, the are still there? Chiefs still there? They've strategically um, structured this Patrick Mahomes contract where it's not going to completely kill their salary cap next year or the year after that. I mean, he's only due a $27 million roster bonus, and then his base salary stays at $1.5 mil. Um so really, you're only taking uh, $30 million about out of the cap next year if you're the Chiefs. There's some room to build there, and they've got their offensive line uh, handled. Yep. Um, and we'll get to that in the exit interviews, which will be coming up soon. Yeah. I but know we've been busy, but they will be coming up soon. You look at the Chiefs, the Bills, I certainly don't think the Titans are going anywhere. Um, no, they'll be back in the mix. They're going to be back in the mix, whether that leads to playoff wins or not is an entirely different conversation. But then you look at their own division. We don't think the Ravens are going to be worse next year. They had one of the worst injury luck seasons of all time. They got uh, almost as screwed as the Niners were a couple of years ago. That's very similar vibes to that. Pittsburgh is going to be better than they were last year, assuming that they get a better quarterback than Big Ben. It might be but they won't contend, but they could challenge, but they won't contend. I think I think they could absolutely contend. They get the right quarterback I, in that building. I mean, they trade for Russell Wilson. That's a contending. I don't know if he's going right to go there though. I don't know. If I don't. I don't know if he will either. But they are they are first on the list. If I'm a quarterback looking for a team, I'm going Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh are my two best opportunities to win now. Uh, if I'm a quarterback looking for a new home, which we I, know just, I think I think they need a lot of work. I, 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 mean, I think I'd rather be in the Browns. <laughs> I think it's more of a ready-made team than you uh, than than you anticipated it. But uh, the point being that the AFC is stacked going forward uh, with a lot of quarterbacks, with a lot of young talent. And the thing I worry about is if the Bengals can't fill out this roster, which historically they haven't been able to, maybe Joe Burrow will change their fortunes in free agency. Uh, but if they're not able to add some more star power and some more solid players along the offensive line, this is going to be a one-and-done kind of deal like we were talking about. Um, but was there anything else you want to remark on as far as the non-game stuff? And then we're going to quickly go through some NBA trade, trade deadline stuff because i got to get out of here soon. 
Uh, well, the only other thing I wanted to mention was a few of the non-game stuff that I noticed just being broadcasting stuff people uh, noticed. What in the world was the Rocks opening? That was really weird. Uh, people, <laughs> I just I saw that blowing up on Twitter. It was sort of very strange, like a WWE thing. But he was on the field, and the game was like seconds from starting. And it was kind of like, okay, that was very bizarre. Uh, <laughs> so I just thought that was uh, a little interesting. Um, hey, why do we need a pump-up speech before the Super Bowl? I was already Super, It's the Super Bowl. Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl. Why do we need – I didn't need The Rock giving me a no, 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 no. We didn't need it. L.A. needed it. That's the difference. Did you know that L.A. was one of the weakest markets in the country for the NFL? In the country. Well, that's, the why, that's why the league was so yeah. happy. That's why they. Uh, that's why they called those two penalties at the end of the game. Guess, guess your guess your top two markets. Guess your top two markets for this game. <laughs> Pretty easy guess. Uh, top two would be Cincinnati and New York. Detroit. De- really? Yeah. The whole city of Detroit was watching this game. Yeah. Detroit had millions tuning in. Interesting. It's their guy. I mean, it's their guy. Detroit fans are there – were, there were Detroit Lions stores <laughs> selling Rams gear or selling like a combination of Rams and Lions stuff. Which is kind of sad, kinda but cool. also like, but but no, it, but it's neat that that they respect and love this guy so much. So that was just a note. Um, halftime show was awesome. Uh, a lot of good response stuff from Twitter. A lot of boomer Quick things. Note. Not liking it, uh, but who's shocked by that? Uh, but <laughs> Quick note: My grandma sends me a text after <laughs> halftime show. Oh no! <laughs> and goes, "Was that supposed to be good, or are we just old?" <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I was like 80 and I was watching music that people that were 20 were listening to, I would be very confused. My parents, <laughs> but I would appreciate. My parents like I'd appreciate the energy. My parents didn't like it either. Anyone, anyone who didn't like live—I don't want to say the prime of your life because everyone, you know, kind of peaked. <laughs> but oh no! Anyone who lived <laughs> like past your prime. <laughs> anyone who was like between the age of. 12 and 35 during the 90s loved this halftime show um, and again that's a generational thing like I, the reason why i'm not knocking it as much like everyone else at least on twitter is because i I'm like, like music. we're all we're all gonna be the same way when it comes many years from now and we're all gonna be like hey that's not the specific band or person that i or music i grew up with so i don't like it as much so it's like to me it's like that's happened every generation ever so i that's, yeah we're one not of these years- we're not new one of these years, special. we're going to have, like, some K-pop group on the halftime show. Uh, oh, yeah, and then we'll be like, what is this? And everyone's and like, I'm oh, why do you like, hate this wrong with you? <laughs> I'm going to be pulling my hair out watching the halftime uh, show going, like, remember when it was Dr. Dre? <laughs> uh, yeah. Other, other you know, which, of course, your kids will have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, which, like, no yeah, one of these days, I'm going to be like, remember when it was Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg? And my, my kids are going to be like, go to bed, old man. Uh, other couple notes on the broadcast itself. Uh, weirdly, Al Michaels was kind of phoning it in at the end. Um, not to put a controversial take, but the last few minutes of the game uh, were kind of a little low, and I was sort of watching like, it's the end of the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, where's the fanfare for it? Which is a little a little slow for me. Um, and then Mike Tirico at the end is the freaking goat. I love Mike Tirico. He's awesome. I know he's Syracuse guy, yeah. so I love him. But like, wow, yeah, he was Mike great. Tirico's and to go. From doing the Super Bowl to immediately switching directly to the Olympics, still on the field, 
I mean, it's so impressive. He is a that wonderful, was, wonderful broadcaster, cool. one of the best. I wish they would have had better Olympic events for us after the Super Bowl. I wish we had real snow at the Olympics. Thanks for that, hey. Beijing. But yeah, same. <laughs> um, uh, we got about five minutes here, so I want to hit some NBA trade trade deadline. Just some quick hitters. Um, who is your biggest winner? My biggest winner is going to be Simmons and Embiid. I'm going to go with both because Simmons basically did nothing all season and his reward was going to Brooklyn and playing with really good players for doing nothing all season. So for him, he wins. Uh, And then Embiid as well because he no longer has to play with uh, Simmons, which if you don't follow his Twitter, please do. Uh, But if you do, you will see that Embiid was quite happy that Ben Simmons is no longer there. I'll I'll be at a Sixers game next week, so I will see Embiid and uh, his new friends uh, with James Harden at that game, uh, which will be quite funny to watch. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So my biggest winner here is going to be the Sixers until Harden decides that he's hurt <laughs> or wants to leave. Uh, my first choice, Philly. <laughs> the Sixer, the Sixers are going to be great until that happens. Uh, I think they which have a will. really good shot in the <laughs> East this year, and I appreciate that Maury got a player who supposedly is actually going to play for them as opposed to um, a massive contract that's just sitting in uh, what he alleges is a therapy room. I think it was a little bit closer to the beach, Uh, but, but I digress. Um, So uh, my biggest winner is the Sixers. I want to take this to biggest loser and I'm going to get right into mine. It's the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings. (laughs) fumbled the bag um, by choosing De'Aaron Fox over Tyrese Halliburton. Now, I'm not saying De'Aaron Fox is okay. a player, but I think Halliburton had so much more potential, and you get rid of Buddy Heald in the process, and now it's really just Fox and Sabonis and a bunch of nobody. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate because I do think that this was bad, but I don't think that it was the worst thing ever. I don't think this was like a mind-shatteringly awful trade. I think that getting Savonis back does count for something. And I know losing her Alabama is big, I know. But I don't think this was the worst thing in the world. I think it was bad. I think this, the Kings lost. But I, I don't – there are a lot of people that were saying this was like the worst thing ever. And I was like, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. But it's pretty bad. So I think once I think once we see what Halliburton pans out to be, especially in Indiana, which I think is a really good situation for him. Uh, I think once we figure out what Halliburton pans out to be, it's going to be it's going to look worse than it might seem right now. Uh, but Jack, take us to your yeah, loser. Yeah. Well, my loser here is going to be any New York fan of basketball because really it doesn't matter now. Um, Even though I think it's a win for Ben Simmons to go to the Nets, it's obviously a loss for uh, Nets fans because they now have to watch Ben Simmons play, which is always a negative uh, to have to watch that. I actually, I don't have tickets yet, but I'm trying to get tickets to the uh, Nets Blazers game that'll be during my spring break. So I'm trying to go to that, which could be fun. Um, And then for the Knicks, Oh boy, the Knicks, uh, they keep losing in really sad fashion. The Knicks are still out of playoff contention entirely, which is easy with the ridiculous, which I think are still stupid NBA rules of having way too many teams make the playoffs. Cause yes, play in tournament basically counts. Uh, they're not even in that. It's pretty sad for Knicks fans and they didn't do anything in the trade line, a uh, trade deadline, which is so confusing that the Knicks really need help. And they just sort of sat there and all they did was take Cam Reddish, who is, been pretty bad and i mean 
it's just sort of strange that the Knicks are in not a good spot and their reaction was cool on to the rest of the season. And I just, yeah. I never really got that was, that was very strange. On to the next one. Um, I just, a couple more things I wanted to comment on from this uh, Portland as in the trailblazers are four and O since trading for Joe Ingles. Um, so the Joe Ingles effect really, really getting hold in, in Portland there. Um, and then I wanted to remark on Cleveland getting Karis Levert because I have no idea how this is going to pan out. Uh, Levert hasn't exactly bought in uh, to the Indiana Pacers way, but I think in this situation where there's uh, some guys that can really uh, score on that team between Garland uh, and when Sexton comes back, um, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch. And it, it saves them from having to run that weird three big lineup that they were running with Allen Markinen and, uh, Mobley. Um, I think it's going to really help them down the stretch with more flexibility in their lineup, uh, that they were missing without Ricky Rubio on the floor. Cause Ricky Rubio got hurt earlier this year and that's who they ended up trading away here. Um, and then, my last observation that I made, I think uh, CJ McCollum getting traded to the Pelicans, that's that's a sign of a lot more uh, coming in Portland this summer. Um, I can't see – I cannot see I don't know. Willard sticking around at this point with this roster. Uh, is, Joe, is Joe Ingles the deal breaker for you here? I mean, here's the quote that I'll end on with Lillard. And I'll end on this, and this is what I'm going to stick to, too. Quote, and he talked to Complex Sports with this, Lillard. I'm loyal to what I believe. I do love living in Portland. I do love playing for the Trailblazers, but I've built this. I've been a part of this for 10 years. I've been part of the change here and us being a successful franchise, and I know and I know what means something to me in my heart, and that's winning a championship here. I don't think he's going to leave, even if they suck. I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's I think he's true with his word. And and this update was a day ago. Like this was very, very recent. Um, this was after everything. I just I don't think he's gonna leave. Even if they suck, I don't think it matters. I think he's still gonna stay no matter what. And I respect I, that. And I wish more players did that. And I will I stand on that hundred percent. I, I can't I, stand ring chasing, even though I know it makes sense. But the players like Dirk and Kobe and Dame and and what Giannis probably will do, just not leaving, that's like I respect that more than anything because it's really it, it, hard to build that. Here's what I'll leave you on. I think if you're the Blazers, regardless of what Dame wants, obviously you want to do right by your player. But regardless of what Dame wants, you've got to look at your team and go, okay, if we are not going to be in contention in the next couple years, we've got to take as much as we can for Dame before he gets older and before he gets worried, they they have to make something out of their asset at this point, basically, before it's just they're paying Dame an absurd amount of money to because they're not winning, yeah, in the play in tournament. Um, they're not winning, they're not winning now. This season, uh, is a little different because Dame's on the sidelines, uh, with the abdominal injury, but um, I digress. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We should have said this off the top, but go to betus.com.pa, enter code GTD Sports, sorry, GTDS, code is GTDS125, 
you get a 125% bonus on a deposit of $50 or your bets more. on. We love being able to uh, advertise on our podcast. Now, please uh, go deposit $50 or more so you can tail our fantastic bets, uh, which we will have uh, for you coming up in March Madness in the oh, NBA. Yeah. Uh, oh, y'all just get ready for the March Madness podcast. I, it's always my favorite. It. Uh, oh, go to yeah. betus.com.pa, enter code GTDS125, deposit $50 or more, get a 125% bonus, literally free money. Um, but if that is all for you, Jack, that is all for me. Thank you so much for listening to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We certainly hope to see you tune in next week. For now, I'm Noah Parker. And I'm Jack Wallace. Peace, Peace out, out y'all. y'all.